0: Well, hi, church, and hasn't it been an incredible service already? Amazing to hear how our counseling department are able to help so many people. And uh, incredible that Bible College is kicking off. Um, And again, just want to encourage you to get involved in that. These are strange times, literally three people in the room, all behind cameras. So it's not what we want, but we're grateful that we still get to bring the message to you. And if you weren't here last week, Hilt kicked off a series um, called "Okay." OK. But First and he shared a really powerful thought into okay, but first rest and really the idea was that we should be working from a place of rest Not resting from a place of work. So if you miss that get it today, we're looking at okay, but first contentment okay, but first contentment The idea is, I mean, you you probably heard the thought, okay, but first, coffee, like, I'm going to get to everything else, but first, I'm going to do this. So, I hope in this series is that we would get some things in the right order, in the right perspective. If you don't know what the word contentment means, um, in the dictionary, it says this, a state of happiness or of satisfaction. In fact, some uh, meanings push the idea a little further and say, pleased with the situation and not hoping for change or improvement. And I don't know what contentment looks like for you um, when all three of our kids go to sleep and we can have a normal conversation that feels like contentment. Or I don't know if you've got a happy place, but uh, we once traveled overseas and we stayed in this beautiful place in Austria and uh, we looked over the lake and sipping your coffee. It just felt like I can just breathe. There's contentment. And I guess the question I'm posing to all of us today is, is contentment just a passing, fleeting moment? Or can we live from contentment, from a place of complete contentment with our lives, not moving from one season to the next of discontentment to contentment? And I actually think this is a great problem or a great struggle or tussle for many Christians because when you receive Jesus, there's probably this notion or this thought. That because we've received Jesus we should be fulfilled that we should be satisfied that we should be happy and I think the truth is is many Christians are actually discontent and so we need to tackle this today okay but first contentment and uh, I think one of the issues is in our Christian faith we have these kind of statements or sayings or platitudes that we throw at one another when life isn't quite going our way things like uh, don't worry God has something better for you, or if God shut that door, don't worry, He's got a better door or another door that He's going to open, or perhaps we say things like, your best days are ahead of you, and it kind of gives this idea of this American dream gospel, and I've got to be honest, I've thrown these statements around, and in many ways, I actually, I believe them, but, but church, I'm also worried about what these statements um, kind of portray or depict in our minds if we live our Christian faith holding on to statements like this this idea that tomorrow will be better More is on its way and everything is going to be okay. And my great grave worry is this It's a breeding ground of discontentment these statements these platitudes a breeding ground of discontentment a cesspool for an unsatisfied life and it gets us living in tomorrow not today This idea of there's more, there's, you know, more's going to make you happier. And, um, you know, we, we all go there at times, and I guess this is what we're trying to address today, is like this idea, when I get that, when I get that promotion, when I get that wife or husband, or when I get those kids, or when I get that salary increase, or when I get that position or leadership, or when God opens up that door, then... Then I'll be content. And um, the problem is, I know many people who want certain things and then when they get them, for example, and I could use any example, but I know some uh, girls who all they wanted to be their whole life was moms. And then they became a mom and they didn't really want to be a mom after being a mom because it isn't the thing that we're hoping for doesn't bring the contentment. And this whole world system is set up to make us feel like we don't quite have enough and that happiness and satisfaction are just around the corner. One click, one one sale, one buy, one new item, and then I'll have contentment. Think about every advert, every app, every social media. It literally is set up to tell us this, this is the thing. When you get this thing, then you'll be happy. And uh, Will Smith says it like this. Too many people are buying things they can't afford with money they don't have to impress people they don't like. Isn't that a terrifying statement? Too many people are buying things they can't afford with money they don't have to impress people they don't even like. And church, imagine living your whole life unsatisfied. Imagine living your entire life thinking that tomorrow will be better and then I'll be happy and then I'll be content. And, um, I've got a good friend, and he was sharing this story with me, a great guy, um, in many ways a kind of visionary, an entrepreneur, he's a thinker, a planner, um, very uh, successful, and he was telling me about a conversation he had. Um, himself, his wife, and somebody who was much older than him, wiser than him, and they were sitting having lunch together, and he started to share about all his dreams and ideas and what the future was going to look like and how frustrated it was that he was here, but when he has this, and if he could just do that, and when this happens, and this kind of elderly, wiser guy just interjected and said, hey, can I ask you a question? How does this future that you're painting look without your wife? And obviously, he was kind of taken back by the statement, and he Said, well, I wouldn't be happy at all. So he said, well, I just got to tell you as long as you live in tomorrow, as long as you live in the future, you are continually sending a message to your wife that she's not enough today. That's a wild statement. And I certainly feel like that's a challenge for me. I know that I can kind of live in the future a little, but we got to learn, church, to be content with what God's given us today. And just by the way, single people, just because I challenged our married people, single people getting married doesn't help with your loneliness. It doesn't help with the lack of contentment that you're feeling. Just like sex doesn't help with lust, so getting married and having a partner doesn't solve all of your discontentment issues. These are things we've got to solve now while we're single. So is it possible? Can we live from a place of contentment? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 6 to 7 says it like this. Incredible passage around uh, contentment. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, and we're going to look at that, but it goes on to say this, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. God's like, hey, if if for a moment you're going to think contentment is attached to the things you have in this world, you brought nothing in, you're taking nothing out, contentment has nothing to do With possessions, so let's pick up this verse here. But godliness with contentment is great gain. The way I see this verse, I kind of see it like a maths equation. It's like godliness plus contentment equals great gain. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. Can I be honest with you, church? I think for many of us, we actually read the verse the other way around. We read it like this: godliness. Plus, great gain equals contentment. We think that if we can get godly, get right in God's eyes, get real Christian, then God will real bless us and then we'll be real content. But, church, that's not what the passage says. It doesn't say godliness plus great gain equals contentment. In fact, I hazard a guess because I know many people who have many things who are living the dream. And yet aren't content on the inside and so we got to have a look at this particular passage and i'd like to challenge us because i think as christians we spend a good amount of time focusing on the godliness part but how much of the time do you and i focus and work on our contentment and i actually believe that you can work on contentment like it's not just something that happens It's not something that happens at the end of a circumstance or a situation or an event. I actually think that we can develop and build and grow our contentment. And I want to say to us, okay, but first, contentment in 2021. Let's not chase things. Let's not spend this entire year hoping for tomorrow's stuff. Let's look at today and I'm going to work from a place of contentment. And contentment or discontentment has a lot to do with what you're looking at like many of us end up looking at the lack what we don't have but i'd like to take that a step further i don't think we're just looking at the lack in our lives i think we're looking at the abundance in other people's lives we're looking at what they've got and going man i wish i had and can i tell you that contentment ends the day comparison begins contentment ends the day comparison begins. And comparison is the great thief of joy. And so instead of joy, we have jealousy. Now, I don't know if you've seen the fruit of jealousy. I've certainly seen it in my life. Jealousy has two fruits, depression and anger. And many of us, church, are living depressed or lonely or frustrated and angry, and we're wondering why. I want to tell you that Jealousy is the fruit of discontentment. And until you and I decide to build contentment in our lives, then anger or depression will run riot in each of our lives. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 14 verse 30 says. It says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. So in other words, a life of contentment has a healthy body or a life that is full of and then it goes on to say, but jealousy is like cancer to the bones. And so we can say that f- the fruit of contentment is a healthy body. Some, some versions say a, a life that is full. And, and then the fruit of discontentment is a sick body. In fact, some versions speak about like the bones decaying because of the fruit of jealousy. And church, for all of us, discontentment is often a root of a lack of trust in God. Like, we start to go, God, did, have you placed me in the right season? God, have you given me everything that I need? And perhaps you even start to ask questions of God, like, do you even have the best in mind for me? And Paul, who was an author of most of the New Testament, he writes this incredible piece of passage about contentment. And he would have faced the same things, you'll see it in the passage, about learning what contentment looks like despite your circumstances. Here it is in Philippians chapter 4 verse 11 to 13, he says, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever, this, in whatever circumstance I am. I have learned to be content, and that's why I believe that you can learn contentment, you can build contentment. He says, I've learned contentment in whatever, this, in whatever circumstances I am in. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to get along with prosperity. In, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And then this verse that many of us quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And many times, church, we actually use this passage like when I last in a little bit of a, a jam and we need God to come through for us, then we go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the, the pretext or the context for this particular passage is not that I can, God can wave a magic wand or I can call on the promises of God, but it's actually saying it doesn't matter my situation. I have a spirit of contentment. And then from that space... And by no means am I saying that we shouldn't believe God for the best, and in no way am I saying that we shouldn't ask God for expansion and increase. But, church, we're never meant to do it in a space of, if God gives me more, then I'll be content, because you will be chasing shadows for the rest of your life. And I think that's why Matthew 6, verse 33, some of you may know this verse, says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. God's like, if you get the right order, okay, but first, contentment. And then God will add all these other things. In fact, when you look at the two verses that precede Matthew 6.33, and we'll read it together, starting in verse 1, it says this. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Come on, let's just be honest. Many of these are the questions we ask. How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to sort out that? How am I going to pay the bond? What about the school fees? How are we going to sort out that car payment? This is what it says. It says, don't worry about any of those things. Don't live wondering about them. It goes on to say, for pagans run after these things. Pagans are basically people who don't yet believe in God. And it says, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And I think this is where the trust issue comes in. Many times we wonder, whether God actually knows or whether God is faithful to come through. And I want to encourage you, your heavenly Father knows you need them. But His command to us is, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He will add all other things. And so I truly believe that it is possible to live content in every single situation. Like right now, the situation you're in, Whatever you're facing, it doesn't matter how large or, 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 or how dark it looks, I truly believe that just like Paul said, in all situations, whether much or little, that you and I can learn to be content. And so I want to give you two antidotes for discontentment, two ways that we can tackle discontentment every time it sets in. The first is gratitude. And discontentment is looking at the things you don't have, whereas contentment is looking and being grateful for the things you do have. In fact, there was a great kind of a saying that was going around on social media around Christmas time, saying that Chris, this Christmas is not a time to ask for the things we don't have, but to be grateful for the things we do have. And um, I mentioned it earlier, we have a four-, two-, and four-month-old And so our uh, our life is loud and and busy, and um, every now and then we let them watch um, something just to give us a break and let them be entertained, but we never do it in the morning, uh, or seldomly do it in the morning, let me say that. But the other morning we decided that we would um, let them watch. And uh, we sat them down and said, hey, it's half an hour. This is not normal. And they were super stoked. Their mind was blown. They couldn't believe that they were able to watch, like running around, super excited. Well, half an hour came and went, and we closed the laptop, and it was over. The most monumental tantrum happened from our two-year-old, who began to shout, more, 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 and then said, more now, more now. And lay down on the ground and shouted more now eventually I picked him up I looked him in the face and I said be grateful for what you got and stop asking for more and I wonder if God probably in a more loving way than I did to my son is saying the same thing to us we're continually going to God more more now more more now God's like would you just be grateful for what you got. And when schools are on, and I know they're not at the moment, but when schools are on, I have the huge privilege of taking my two kids to school. And I look in the review mirror, and I just get this overwhelming sense of gratitude. And I want to encourage each of you that we should be having a daily habit of looking in the review mirror of our lives, saying, God, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. In fact, some of you, the very things you prayed for, you've got and you've become in many ways kind of disconnected and ungrateful for them. Now, I don't know if you've heard that saying, like, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Well, I want to encourage you, perhaps you need to look at your trash again and find some treasure in it. Bring some value back to it. Bring some value back to your marriage. Bring some value back to your your, uh, parenting and your family. Bring some value back to your friendships. Wherever you bring some value back to the job that you have, let's be grateful for the things that God has given us. And I actually believe that contentment and gratitude is a discipline. Because I think some of us are like, yeah, 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 I'm grateful for those things. But I actually think that we need to get super like intentional. Around it like whether it's a gratitude journal or whether it's somewhere in your prayer life but I think there's got to be a daily gratitude that happens I don't think it's enough to just say I'm grateful I think you've actually got to list the things and in fact when you study the brain and you begin to be thankful and you begin to be grateful it changes the way you think it changes the way you live and look at what Psalm 100 verse 4 says it says enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise So before you even get to the courts with praise or with prayer or with asking, we need to enter the gates, the very entry point of God and our relationship is one of gratitude, one of thanksgiving. In fact, the imagery here is that people would have entered the gates together in community. And so it's not just me thanking God just between me and God, but it's me starting to get grateful with those around me. I'm so, tell them, I'm so grateful for what God's done. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for what the future holds. I'm so grateful that God has held me up until this point. We need to declare our gratefulness. And in fact, Eugene Peters, he says it, um, he wrote the message version, and he said it like this, enter with the password, thank you. Make yourself at home talking praise. Thank him, worship him. Thank him, worship him. Thank him, worship him. Church, we need to build, cultivate gratitude in our life if we want to see contentment happening. And I think that's why you could um, understand 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, it says this, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's not saying thank God for every circumstance, but He's saying in every circumstance, we should be able to give thanks because we're still breathing, we still got breath in our lungs, and we can look around and get grateful. And I'm telling you, church, in a time where there's panic and fear and anxiety and division, this is the time to get grateful. This is the time to declare God's praises. This is the time to to, uh, rejoice always, pray continually, and be thankful in every single circumstance. In fact, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 118, verse 24, and it says, This is the day that the Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it. And the reason that I quote this nearly every single day to myself is I need to remind myself I haven't just woken up today. It's not just coincidence. It's not just the day after yesterday. This today is the day that God has made. There are miracles possible. There are people that I got to interject with and and have relationship with. And I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to Aim my life at joy. I'm going to believe that good things are to come. And so the first antidote is gratitude. The second antidote we're going to pick up in uh, Job chapter 36, verse 11, and it says this. If they obey and serve Him, Him being God, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity, great gain, and their years in contentment. If they choose to obey and serve them, The second antidote to contentment is obedience and serving God. We need to choose. Are we going to obey God? Are we going to serve God? Can I just be honest? He's about to be turned up a little. There's no one in the room, so nobody can say no. You can turn down the volume. But many of us are living discontent lives, but we're not living obedient lives. Many of us are asking God to bless our plans instead of asking, what are your plans, God? Many of us get up in the day and we come to Him with our prayer requests, but we're not saying, God, my ear is open to heaven. What are your requests towards me? We need to be walking in obedience. We need to be walking in obedience to His Word. Many of us, God's been speaking to us. Don't do that. Do this. I need you to increase here. I need you to stop that. And can I just say I don't think that your soul will live in peace. I don't think you're going to find contentment when your life is at enmity with what God's word has to say. This is why we got to get to know God's words. Why you got to get to Bible college? And this idea of obeying God and serving Him has this posture, this position of surrender and submission where you start to say, God, not my will. But your will be done this is why i've got a problem to a degree with some of these statements like if god shut that door he'll open this one or god's gonna you know sort it all out or he's gonna wave his magic wand do you know i got a problem with those it kind of sounds like god's serving you instead of you serving god now make no mistake he's your good father he knows what you need but he's called us to walk in obedience and to serve him then we'll find prosperity and, contentment. and so what our prayer really should be is, God, I'm available. How do you need me? What do you want me to do? Because church, when it comes to contentment, it's not so much possession as it is position. What is your position towards God? Seriously, can I ask you today, how's your gratitude? How's your attitude? Is it, is it one of praise? Is it one of thanksgiving? How's your life right now? Is it one that would reflect the obedience to God? Is it one that walks in reverence and fear towards God to say, God, what do you want from my life? Is it one that serves God? Is it one that puts God on the throne? Or perhaps are you being challenged by today's message that you're sitting on the throne? And so as we wrap up, my question is, how will we find contentment? Well, the truth is you don't find it you work it. You've got to work contentment. You've got to be intentional around contentment. And the two antidotes we've given you today is that we've got to be grateful. I'm talking about intentional, outrageous, um, audacious gratitude. Something that is, is daily and something that is extravagant towards God. I think that we've got to increase our level of gratitude. And then the second is that we got to say, God, I'm here to serve you and I'm here to obey you and whatever you're telling me I'm here to do and I really believe if we do those two things church I believe that truly godliness plus contentment is great gain okay but first contentment let's go into 2021 and instead of chasing after every dream and every idea and every more more I want more now Let's move from a place of contentment knowing that our Father who's in heaven knows every single one of our needs. We're going to take a moment just like we did last week. We're going to do this throughout the series to stop, to slow down, to ponder upon this idea and go, God, how's the contentment in my life and what needs to change? And we're going to be led in a, by Maddie in a beautiful song that reflects about God being with us on the highs and in the lows.